Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums specially curated to accompany your weekly Come Follow Me studies. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. This fireside address, entitled Convenient Service, was given on July 29, 2014 by Sherry Patton Palmer, then an associate teaching professor in the BYU College of Nursing. The title of my talk is Convenient Service. You may think this is an oxymoron, but during the course of this talk, I hope to explain why it should not be. Jesus Christ preached, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If any man will come after me, he said, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. President Monson said, I believe the Savior is telling us that unless we lose ourselves in service to others, there is little purpose to our own lives. Those who live only for themselves eventually shrivel up and figuratively lose their lives, while those who lose themselves in service to others grow and flourish and, in effect, save their lives. Furthermore, in Revelation 2.19 it says, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notice how works is in the scripture twice. Actually, I believe it is in there four times, as charity and service could also be works. Heavenly Father is saying here, He knows our works. So what works or service are we personally known for? Do we hesitate when confronted with the opportunity to serve? Is it convenient to serve? Or is service something we sign up for? once in a while when the sign-up sheet is passed around. With my profession as a nurse and my job here at BYU, I have the opportunity to work both locally and abroad with the sick in hospitals and many communities. Much of what I see is humbling and life-changing. I would like to relate an experience of service a few years ago. I was in a hospital in a developing country doing research for my doctoral project. In many hospitals or healthcare facilities in third world countries, medicine is not available to the patients from the hospital itself. If the doctor feels the patient should receive a particular medicine, even if it is life-saving, a prescription is written out to the family, and they need to take it to the pharmacy, pay for it, then bring it back to the hospital for administration to the patient. Understandably, this is difficult for many patients, and they do not get medicines as their family simply could not afford them. Partly due to these circumstances, it is not uncommon for there to be many beggars just outside the hospital grounds with their hands outstretched for money. But once you get in the gates of the complex, you usually aren't asked for money. In fact, I had become quite callous to this situation. I had been in the hospital working for a few days in the intensive care unit. As I was doing research, I was observing and taking notes on the care that the patients were receiving. Little did I realize that people were watching 
and noticing me. As I walked across the hospital campus, a little lady came up to me. She introduced herself and said she had been watching me in the intensive care unit. Her son was a patient there. She stated her son was um, ill from a car crash on a ventilator and not doing well. I could not remember which patient was her son. As she continued explaining the situation, she started pulling out a piece of paper. As I saw it, I thought, oh no, this is a prescription and she is going to ask me for money. I then thought about the $20 bill I had in my pocket. I don't carry a lot of money when I travel, and I had been waiting to, to eat all week at the restaurant in order to, to order roast beef, which is delicious and cheap compared to American standards. I told her I didn't have any money, and I walked away. She was just another beggar. I walked away quickly, and after a few moments, turned around and looked at her. She was looking around with a look of, what do I do now? My heart was pierced. I couldn't believe I was eager to eat roast beef over giving this woman money that would possibly enable her son to live. I couldn't allow it. I quickly ran back down the steps and said, Espera, senora, wait. I have money to give you. She accepted my $20 with tears in her eyes, and tears were in mine also. The desire to help another was strong. I am glad I had this experience, as I have been able to reflect on it a lot. I call it my personal parable of the roast beef. So what of these people who are less fortunate than us? How do we serve them? With my travels, I have wondered why there is so much variation of wealth, health, or material blessings? What do others desire when they appear to have so little? Elder Maxwell said something that has helped me understand. God thus takes into merciful account not only our desires and our performance, but also the degrees of difficulty which our varied circumstances impose upon us. So, of course, everybody has similar desires but it is the performance and the degree of difficulty it takes for us to perform that God considers. Degrees of difficulty, God takes that into account. So what does that say when it is truly easy to give a little service because of our blessings and fortune? Well, where much is given, much is required. We have a low degree of difficulty and should really be getting off the couch, so to speak, and provide meaningful service. We are blessed for a reason. If it is only a little difficult to render service, how do we not do it more often? If it is only a little inconvenient, why can't we do it more frequently? What about those who have a higher degree of difficulty in providing service? Think of those who are struggling in the world I'm sure many missionaries can relate to the same experience I had on my mission years ago. Families who had little to eat themselves would prepare food for the missionaries. Surely, these families have a different degree of difficulty when it comes to giving and rendering service. I clearly remember an episode of service on my mission over 30 years ago. 
This was one of those occasions where we thought we were the ones giving service, but as it turns out, we were the ones being served. My companion and I had traveled to a little settlement in Itacari, Paraguay. This area was basically a large member family with a few neighbors who were investigating. We were going out to visit the family and attend church and a baptism the next day. As it took so long to travel the dirt roads and crossing streams, we had to stay the night with the family. Even though it was in a jungle, it was cold. The parents gave my companion and I their one bed and their one blanket. The large family then slept on the dirt floor in the next room, with the little ones tucked between them. I froze that night. I kept on all my clothes, my sweater, even my rubber boots. I felt so guilty and was so cold I could not sleep. The next day, as we sat on logs under the open sky for fast and testimony meeting, the family could not express enough thanks for my companion and me coming all the way out to visit them on this special occasion. My heart was pierced. It was then that I realized that this family had provided me service in the way that they could, providing their own bed and blanket on a chilly night in Paraguay. Even though there are material inequalities in the world, we all can have the righteous desire to serve. And it is the pursuit of these righteous desires that measures our rewards in heaven. We do not have to travel abroad to have fascinating and memorable experiences of service. We can and should start right here in our homes and neighborhoods. Jesus did not travel very far. Often, he served those very near to him. We have opportunities to opportunities to serve by simply being sons and daughters, fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters. We serve through our church callings and by being members of our ward. I often think that Heavenly Father will ask me, what did you do to serve the women you visit taught? Or how did you change the lives of them or help them in their times of need? How did you serve your brothers? Did you even notice they needed help? These can be sobering thoughts. So how can we make service convenient? We start by practicing automatic responses. Let me relate another little experience. This was only a few months after my experience in the hospital and the roast beef money. It was Christmas time. I was in the checkout line at Walmart thinking of all I had to do. I was watching the young couple in front of me buying a little girl's bike. It was around $65, and I watched the man hand over dollar bills, then frustratingly search in his pockets for change. Then they searched in the woman's purse for money. I averted my eyes to avoid additional embarrassment for them. Even at that moment, I felt uncomfortable and awkward. I guess they finally came up with the right amount of money. I was too busy trying not to notice. After I made my purchase, I followed them out of the store, again realizing I had missed the opportunity to help. It was most likely only a few dollars they needed. Where had my desire gone? Why couldn't I have just handed them a few dollars? Again, I couldn't believe it. Why hadn't I performed an automatic response? 
Giving service and having it become convenient is a work in progress. As I was in the temple the other night, I thought about how tightly related sacrifice is with service and consecration. It is a stepping stone towards these two great doctrines of our religion. Just how big the stepping stone is, is of service is up to us. Are the stepping stones of service huge, insurmountable boulders that we believe are set in our way? Or are they merely soft, round pebbles that line the way of our pathway back to our Savior? We may find that these pebbles become convenient guides that will help us along the way. If we can master the task of providing service to those around us, how much easier then is it to sacrifice for others and consecrate what we do for the Lord? Bruce R. McConkie gave a talk in April about 1975 about obedience, consecration, and sacrifice. He said, We have covenanted in the waters of baptism to love and serve him, to keep his commandments, and to put first in our lives the things of the kingdom. In return, he has promised us eternal life in his Father's kingdom. We are thus in a position to receive and obey some of the higher laws which prepare us for that eternal life which we so sincerely speak. He goes on to say, It is written, He who is not able to abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. The law of sacrifice is a celestial law. So also is the law of consecration. Thus, to gain that celestial reward, which we so devoutly desire, we must be able to live these two laws, sacrifice and consecration, are inseparably intertwined. So I would like to add, how can we ever get to the laws of sacrifice and consecration without first applying service in our lives? When we are physically serving our brother, we are sacrificing, whether it be our time, our physical ability, or our material blessings. When we perform service with the right kind of spirit, we practice consecration. We are consecrating our time, our physical ability, our material blessings to others, and in essence, to the Lord. Service in our lives is similar to stepping stones. The way we perceive or encounter service determines the size of these stones. Are they helpful or, or are they hindrances to our eternal progression? Just like we consciously work on other fine attributes in our lives, we need to put in place a conscious decision to make service convenient. We need to plan on this behavior. President Thomas S. Monson taught Brigham Young University students that their student day should include the matter of spiritual preparation, including service to others. An attitude of love characterized the mission of the master, President Monson said. He gave sight to the blind, legs to the lame, and life to the dead. Perhaps when we face our Maker, we will not be asked, how many positions did you hold? But rather, how many people did you help? In reality, President Monson concluded, you can never love the Lord until you serve Him by serving His people. I'd like to look at examples of Jesus Christ when he served. What were his interactions like? Was service convenient for him? 
Let's take a look at some of these interactions. In Matthew 8, 2-3, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Matthew 8, 14, And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand. Matthew 9, 18, Behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him. Matthew 9.20, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. But Jesus turned him around, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. And Matthew 9.35.36, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. What was Jesus doing? He touched. He said, I will. He arose. He turned around. He was moved with compassion. These are characteristics of kindness and love. He was not inconvenienced. It was his way of life. When we act and serve as Jesus did, we become more like him. How can we make service our way of life? How can we make it be an immediate reaction instead of a thought-out action? How can we make it convenient? We can prepare for service. It may start out with creating a habit of always being willing to or being ready to do something. Maybe you enjoy mowing the lawn, so if a neighbor needs help, that can be your automatic reaction. You can mow their lawn. Or maybe you have a special chicken enchilada recipe that turns out great every time. That can be your automatic reaction if there is a need for a meal in your ward. Maybe you have a keen listening ear and enjoy conversation. That can be your automatic reaction when a family member is in need. The key is to create automatic reactions within ourselves. They do not have to be big service activities. President Spencer W. Kimball said, It is vital that we serve each other in the kingdom. So often our acts of service consist of simple encouragement or of giving help with mundane tasks, but with what glorious consequences can flow from small but deliberate deeds. Elder Vaughn Featherstone gave a talk about serving when it is inconvenient. He said, Now, my young friends, think of all the opportunities you will have time to serve at inconvenient times. I promise you that most of the service you rendered to the Lord will come at times not convenient to you. Think about some of them. Your call to serve an 18-month mission right in the middle of schooling, courting, or vocational training— a call to serve in the ward when you have school grades to maintain and a social life to fulfill, an invitation to speak at church, home teaching visits, early morning seminary, which in many stakes begins at 6 a.m., not a convenient hour, 
a hospital visit to a sick friend, assisting a friend in his or her school election campaign, someone with a flat tire or other car problems on the highway, it generally is not a convenient time to stop, shoveling snow or mowing a lawn of someone in need, a widow or neighbor, when your day is already too full. Elder Featherstone goes on to say, I could list many, many more opportunities that may well come to all of us in a lifetime, but most often at an inappropriate time. You can make a decision that you are too busy, but that is generally just an excuse. My beloved young friends, determined to serve one another, listen to the Spirit when your flesh is weak. For truly the Master said, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. The blessings are tenfold when we do those good, kindly acts of service when is when it is inopportune or not convenient. End of quote. I appreciate Sister Burton's advice to first observe, then serve. How closely do we observe? What do we notice as we go about our daily hurried lives? What can you do as a BYU student? Take a look around you. Do as Sister Burton said, first observe, then serve. I have seen students sit by themselves an entire semester. I have seen students not talk to anybody during class breaks. We need to serve those around us, whether they are family, roommates, classmates, or neighbors. I have experienced memorable acts of service. I have been the giver and the receiver, yet even with many years of experience, I still struggle with how convenient is that service. I have felt my heart pierced with love, compassion, thankfulness, and the Spirit. Shouldn't these feelings be enough motivation? My memories of two opposite experiences lately are vivid. My parable of the roast beef keeps me remembering of how it feels to serve. My experience in Walmart at Christmas time is a sobering, memorable occurrence of not serving or not observing. In fact, I averted my eyes to the need for a dollar or two. Yes, service becoming convenient is a work in progress. Giving service throughout our lives is like being led down a beautiful path of stepping stones. However, to make service convenient, we must practice and practice. I think about and study the life of our Savior, how He acted, how He served. This is an example to me. Again, what was Jesus doing? He said, I will. He touched. He arose. He turned around. He was moved with compassion. These are characteristics of kindness and love. He was not inconvenienced. It was his way of life. May we, I pray, make this our way of life also. I say in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Come Follow Me podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. 
You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.